小罗，放兄弟一马，我就是要亲手抓你ジャキー・チェン。Jackie Chan was a good,、uh, a good soldier and appeared at the main、um, event. And they did sort of throw him a bone by saying, like, when they did the sort of they do their lame recap of the technical shows.、Um, for my money, I, I think the technical shows should be lumped into the main Oscars. How you do that and not have a six hour show, I'm not sure. You But, cut out、yeah. all the musical numbers that nobody wants to see. I kind of like the musical numbers. I just don't like, you know, I like musical numbers, I don't like dancing. So, figure that one out.、Um, hmm. Yeah. Kind of weird. But anyway, you're right. Jackie Chan has had a huge career.、Uh, I think it's. He has sort of done what.、Um, I would say the analogy, like Jet Li and John Woo really did the same thing, where they did American. They found success with American movies in the、uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and then went back to China to make、um, movies their way. And.、Uh, Jackie Chan has directed a lot of films. He's written a lot of films. He's produced a lot of films. And he's a famous、uh, pop star in China. Or not just China, but you know, the world. He also had his own animated series, and not many people can say that. Oh, yeah.、Uh, and, uh, was that Fox?、Uh, no, it was, US,、uh, it was on、uh, Kids WB back when that was still a thing. Yeah, and he did not voice the main Jackie Chan character, but he voiced all the grunts in the fight scenes. <laughs> And he did little live action, I think, bumpers at the end. Yeah, he did, little, he did a live action intro and a live action outro to each episode. Yeah, and.、Uh, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, and he has, a, he has an upcoming movie coming out、uh, that co stars him and Stallone, and he has an upcoming movie coming out with、uh, him and Schwarzenegger.、Um, they tried to get Jackie Chan for the Expendables movies, 
And uh, there were scheduling issues, and also Jackie Chan wanted a pretty big part. And um, Which, frankly, he deserves. The man has a legacy. Well, yes, but, you know, when it's Expendables and you have, like, 20 people on the team by the latest movie, it, <laughs> it's difficult to have a big part that's not Stallone or the bad guy. And Jackie Chan made it clear he did not want to play the villain. Um, he almost never plays bad guys. I think early, in one of his early, early more comedic Hong Kong films, he played a bad guy that was also a rapist. Um, but he has pretty much played, uh, not always leads, I'd say, but sort of the the main character, like the hero, from what I've seen of his films. And he's done so many films, I've only seen, you know, a couple dozen. Yeah, he he really when he's when he's not outright playing the hero, he he tends to play these kind of lovable in over their head schlubs. Yeah, but uh, more to the point uh, with this film, Police Story twenty thirteen. I think for both of us, the first time watching it was uh, just seeing it popped up uh, streaming on Netflix recently in the United States. Yeah, just kind of it just kind of came came up out, out of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah, I noticed it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and what are some of your initial thoughts for background for listeners that might not know about Police Story? The especially the the early films in the series follow the same main character as a Hong Kong cop, and um, they're sort of more comedic action. Um, Jackie Chan made it as a direct response to a not very good um, movie he did in the United States called The Protector. Mm. Um, where he played a cop and he said, no, I want to do this, like a, a cop movie for Chinese uh, audiences and it's, you know, that's my way. And Police Story is a very successful franchise. Uh, in 2004, and we're not talking about that film, he did New Police Story, which was like a reboot with him playing a different character. And once again, in 2013, he decided to reboot the whole concept where he plays a completely different character, in this case, Detective Zon Wen. And in an interview, Jackie Chan stated, he was very excited to play a cop in mainland China as opposed to Hong Kong in the other pictures. Yeah, which is something he, he hadn't done before. Right. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? Uh, this film is very dark. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll, like I'll, saw, I'll get this out of the bit. way. I didn't yeah. like this movie. This this didn't feel like a police story movie to me. It, it had drained away so much of the humor and so much of the heart of the police story series. Mm-hmm. This felt like it was a script for a completely different movie. And then when Jackie Chan got involved, they tacked on police story to it. But I was apparently wrong about that. <laughs> Right. I mean, it almost, it, the police story in England here just almost seems cheap. It's like, it, it's arbitrary. You could call it um, Cop in a Club or something. <laughs> Die and, Hard in a Nightclub. Yeah, yeah, really. It does have more in common with Die Hard than a police story. And the act, the, the I find the way they do the narrative, and we'll get sort of more into the meat later, is a bit um, it's too convoluted for its own good. Yeah, overly com- it's complex for the sake of being complex. Um, let me go over some of the, the stats for this movie. Directed by Dean Shane. Uh, and, and I'll apologize because I'll probably mispronounce most of these. Produced by Yan Du, Yon Er, and Zhen Wayne. Written by Dean Shen. Starring Jackie Chan, Liu Ye, and Jin Tian. Music by Zai Lo. Cinematography by Yu Ding. Um, this originally came out in China in 2013 as a Christmas release. Odd. Um... <laughs> With a running time of 108 minutes, which um, feels longer than it is. 
but this was uh, a big success. That being said, they haven't done a follow-up to this. Um, so, but Jackie Chan, as we mentioned, is a busy, busy man who does a lot of things. Um, yeah, I'm looking at other films from this director, Dean Shen, and he previously collaborated with Jackie Chan on Little Big Soldier, which was a film that Chan produced and directed about um, taking place in the Warring States period of China, of uh, a few men in a horse, um, sort of a historical uh, film. I, don't, I haven't seen it. So. Actually, is that is that the one where he's he's like drafted into the army and he pretends to be dead on a battlefield and tries to wait out the war? I have no idea. I haven't seen Jackie Chan in a war movie, period. I haven't seen this one, but... Um, it was notable just because Jackie Chan doesn't usually write his pictures, so um, it's something he he worked on, and that had a spin-off a uh, computer game that was an MMO. Weird. Um, so I mean, that being said, this is a fairly newer director. This isn't like someone that directed the old Police Story movies. Uh, that being said, the, the directing I think is somewhat hazard. Let's talk about the the. Um, the crazy plot. plot. Yeah, the crazy plot. Um, I have to say, things start off pretty compelling. It, like, so in the opening credits, we get this sort of, um, maudlin number performed by Jackie Chan that lets you know right off the bat, this is not a happy, cheery, goofy film. It's a slow tempo, it's sort of a, a ballad, um, it was not subtitled, unfortunately, but I think, then you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the music just made it sound like a very depressing number. Well, it, it almost felt like they were going to try to go for like a noir feel. Yeah, and they also have a uh, more up-tempo remix, which I, I watched the music video for that on YouTube. And then, oh, um, I, I didn't know about see, that. Yeah, and that was kind of strange, uh, with, with sort of a more contem- contemporary pop star um, joining in. But yeah, it, it lets you know the tone. Right off the bat, and war, um, it kind of starts off a bit as sort of like a war. You know, he is Jackie he's a hard bitten police detective. He's an alcoholic. He's on the outs with his wife. He's estranged from his daughter. They, his daughter. They've what, just what given J- his... they've given Jackie yeah. every problem every pro. a noir yeah, every, detective uh, can have. Every trope. Uh, what do you think of his haircut in this film? I am so like I think the haircut worked for the character, but it is it is so strange. You're you're kind of used to seeing Jackie Chan with like a bit of a mop top or, or kind of shaggier sort of fluffy, hair. Uh, shaggy seeing him mullet. with such a precise close cut was very strange. Like it's perfect for the character, but I'm sure he's going to, I'm sure he grew it out immediately after wrapping this film. Yeah. That threw me off a bit. I think also like the scars on his face, um, really made me sad. Like, because I don't, um, Jackie Chan does get beat up in his films, but he usually doesn't have an injury that you see the whole picture. <laughs> and it lets you, I mean, it's, this film, among other things, is not subtle. No, it, it lets no, you know, it is not. One look at his haircut and the cuts on his face. Uh, this guy's lived a hard life. And they don't have him smoking cigarettes, which is kind of surprising, but he probably should have to get one last noir checkbox off. <laughs> and and you, you don't get narration like, I was in the city. The rain was dark and drippy. I haven't seen my daughter in a while, but 
She had a nice face. Got her a bear once. Wonder where that bear is now. Oh, you know what we should do? We should take these opening scenes and we should just dub in uh, Decker's narration funny. from Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, it'd probably work. <laughs> Those little skin jobs. Yeah, um, it'd probably work. Funny. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you get the, the the beginning setup is pretty simple. And he, he's meeting with his estranged daughter. He hasn't seen her in a while. And it's in this um, club in what appears to be a rough area of The Wu China. Bar. <laughs> Wu Bar, yeah. Who is owned by Wu Jane. Clever name there. Um, well, when I saw Wu Bar show up on the subtitles, I was like, that has to be a poor translation of something. But no, no, that's just what it's called. <laughs> Yeah, and um, listeners, we're going to mispronounce these names. I do not know Chinese. I know a little bit of Japanese, so I'm a little bit better pronouncing those, but um, we're just going to mangle everything. I, I'm not even sure what city the bar is in. I miss that um, detail. But it, it appears to be a an urban district with... Um, and, and the club is a very exclusive, like, hip-looking club. Uh, I, I think the design of the club... A lot of industrial design, right? Exposed pipes. Um, it's a repurposed 1990s sexy vampire club. <laughs> like out of Blade 1? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. It um, even has a piranha tank, so you can assume Bond villains hang out there. I never put together Bond and piranha tanks, but you're right. Like, they, as soon as it's the piranha tank, you know, that's sort of the, the screenwriting thing. You see him loading the gun in Act 1 and he fire it in Act 3. If you, see, if you see a piranha tank in Act 1, somebody's hand better be forced, hand or face, better be forced into that tank by the end of Act 2. I was going to say, I don't think it's a piranha tank, but... Um, no, no, it is a piranha tank. Oh, no, no, but I, I was thinking of a James Bond film, uh, um, Licensed to Kill... kill. I think, but they, they throw him to the shark and they bite the guy's foot off or something, Felix. Oh, oh yeah. But, they, but yeah, Blofeld certainly had piranhas in a few of the films, I believe. Um, so, yeah, you, you see there there's stuff. You can see there's there's danger. There's a stripper that doesn't strip anything. I hate that trope, by the way. If oh. you're not going to have a stripper strip, don't have a stripper in your movie. Yeah, the, the, we learned in the 80s how well that kind of casual nudity can work. Uh, go-go dancing <laughs> yeah, went out in the 60s. Beverly, go listen to her Beverly Hills Cop episode if you with the nasty girl playing in the background. Yeah. Or, or, or the uh, 48 Hours duology. I think the Beverly Hills Cop stripper scene is more iconic, but sure. I smell a special episode brewing. Yeah, uh, strippers of the 80s, okay. Police story 2013. Um, so he is going to meet with his daughter, things are sort of on the rocks. Um, well, and, the, and he, he, so he goes he, he's to the, the duty, bar, which is full of people whose main job seems to be giving meaningful glances. Also, you mentioned it felt like a, a 90s club. It also reminded me a bit of um, The Matrix, I think, with, with what some of the attire people are wearing. And it, and even the way... It, yeah, I mean, it just was very 90s. The music... I don't know Chinese music, so this is probably me being ignorant, but the music didn't sound especially contemporary. Like, it seemed like an old man's idea of what a club, a hip youngster's club is. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. 
It's a lot of open space for a club, I guess is my point. Well, it's not as crowded as you would expect it to be. Because no. when we see like the streets on that like club <laughs> row where all the hot bars are, lots of people in the streets, hardly anyone in the bars. I do like the touch. I think Jackie Chan is, if he's not drinking in the taxi cab, like he, he's looking at like empty bottles on the ground. And you can tell he's uh, like a, a pretty full-blown alcoholic. He has it bad, but they don't—they don't shove that aspect in your face, which is somewhat um, surprising considering how blunt a lot of this picture is. But, but yeah, but anyway, he meets up with his daughter, who has a uh, a wild haircut and a special announcement. <laughs> And what would that special announcement be? Oh, and I guess I should ex- I should explain. So I mentioned earlier on I I wasn't I didn't really enjoy this movie. This is the first time in the history of the sequel cast where I fell asleep while watching the movie. Oh, I've done that before. So it I took probably several, yeah. missed. I this announcement is taking me by surprise. That must have been when I dozed off. Really, it's a pretty major plot point. Okay, so that that's why that that explains the long pause. Um, the what the announcement did is is um, she is engaged to be married to the club owner. Ah uh, yes, Mister Wu. Or if it's not that, it's that they're like boyfriend and girlfriend. I, I think it's that actually. It's not well, marriage, but yeah, because we we know we know they're they're dating. And I take of course, that back. Right, but it, it's like a big, um, but it's a big deal that she's introducing this guy to her father, especially not after seeing him for such a long time. And at the beginning, you know, the, the owner, Wu Jane, plays it cool and gives no hints that he knows his daughter at all. And he escorts Jackie to the room that his daughter is in. And, you know, this, this leads to, to kind of an altercation, some, some, some raised voices, some arguing. Uh, and then a goon comes out of nowhere and whacks Jackie on the back of the head with a wrench. Again, a classic noir thing, right? Yep. You get the and guy wakes up the tied guy to a chair. Powers, wake up tied to a chair with metal, um, and he gets. Uh, but not just that. Before that happens, there's a pretty extensive dialogue scene between Jackie Chan and Wu Jane. Uh, I should use the character's name, uh, Zon Wen and Wu Jane, and um, they do a technique you see a lot in the film, where you know um, in other Jackie Chan police story movies. It's a pretty linear plot, and when there's an action scene, it's like a like a five or ten minutes sort of whopper. Here, you get a lot of these flashbacks of he's talking about all these past cases he's worked on, and they're just like one minute scene, like they're shockingly short. Yeah, even then, like during one of the first flashbacks when we see uh, when we see uh, Jackie, you know, chasing. Uh, chasing a suspect in a train yard the actual fight that happens on the on the train you know we're we're we talked about this when we talked about the original police story that Jackie Chan is a, when when he does his fight choreography he really really takes advantage of whatever environment he's fighting in and the the fact that they're fighting on a in a train yard surrounded by trains doesn't have any impact on the fight scene except when the assailant very, very briefly gets his foot caught between two handrails on yeah. top of a tanker. Mm-hmm. I, I, but in that scene, Jackie Chan pulls sort of a classic move he does in his movies over and over again where he jumps backwards, he spreads his legs, it looks like he's going to get hit in the crotch, 
and then he gets out of the way at the last second. Like it's a comedic beat that um, he's done in other pictures. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I thought of a few things here, why they did that. It could be one, they're, they're trying to make a much more grounded police story film. Um, but it's like, if you do Jackie Chan fight scenes, you take away the fun and the uh, um, extensive choreography. The other thing is Jackie Chan is an older man now. Do you think that has to do with why uh, some of the fight scenes are short? Or is it because they're trying to go for more stripped-down, uh, modern feel? Jackie Chan is 63. That's younger than he, I thought. But He is 63, but as far, to the best of my knowledge, he doesn't have any health, he doesn't have any health problems, you know, and he's still really dedicated to the craft. I really, I really feel like this has to be because they're trying to do a more grounded, more "quote unquote" modern police story. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another hallmark of a Jackie Chan action scene is that it's it's all it's very often just a sustained shot, and you see all the choreography flowing. There are lots of little cuts. Many of them, I feel, completely unnecessary in this fight scene. And I feel like those cuts are only there to make the scene seem more kinetic, but it it, it really. It really messes with the energy because if you're if you're going to do a yeah, brief yeah. fight scene, there's no reason why it can't be a sustained shot. There's also, less to worry yeah, about, less that has to go wrong. There's quite a bit more handheld uh, camera work, um, especially in some of the car chases we get to later. Um, in addition, you um, uh, or what am I trying to say? That being said, it's still less cuts than like a Michael Bay movie in a scene, right? Well, yeah. So, but it's still too many. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so, but yeah, after he gets knocked, he wakes up, he's tied to the chair. And I actually, this might be my favorite fight scene in the movie because it has Jackie Chan in an unusual situation. And he tricks the, the bodyguard by asking for a drink. And the guy says, watch out, this shot is pretty rough. Jackie, like, grabs the shot glass, smashes it over this big guy's head. And then starts kicking him in the stomach several times <laughs> to knock him out. And, I mean, you, you see the pain on, on Jackie's face as what appears to be real metal wire around his wrist. And he, like, jerks back and forth and wiggles his wrist and manages to loosen it. I, I think that's a, a good sequence. Yeah, I mean, they do they do really show him struggling with those wires. Mm-hmm. And it does it does start to look painful. So that that is, that is effective. You do really start to worry about about his safety at that point, both both as an actor and as a character. Uh, how about the tragic backstory of um, Wu Jane, better known as the Spider? <laughs> I feel so. Let's explain what it is. So this is the thing: having having your villain motivated by revenge, a very perfectly fine motivation. But when you combine that with the way that this story is told in such an unlinear fashion, it seems very it, it seems very convoluted. It's well, it's, it's convoluted to the detriment of the story. Um, it makes it more difficult to care, and also just the fact the fact that Jackie Chan's character Zong is part of this revenge plot only because he happened to be in the area <laughs> where oh. Wu's tragedy happened. It, yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't seem there's good motivation to bring Zong into this. It it doesn't also, uh, although I do like uh, when they show his kickboxing as a young man. I think those scenes are pretty cool. You get some pretty neat oh, yeah, grappling, we're, we're, wrestling moves. He, he kickboxed under the name The Spider. The Spider. Not to mention, like, earlier Jackie Chan snooping around and sees this 
he thinks it's a real spider, it's a mechanical spider, and he touches it and it scuttles across the table. That's one of the few uh, humorous moments in this movie, but I, I, I'll, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, the coincidence, it does feel like something from the Saw movies. Not just that, but that Jackie Chan is put through a series of tests, and like he goes into a room and he sees all these photos about all his cases, like plastered in the wall, kind of like that reveal scene from One Hour Photo. It's 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 a it's a reverse evidence dungeon. Yeah, it um, and I don't. I just found the the, the premise uh, kind of predictable because if if everyone is is related, then you know you're trying to do this big reveal. You better. It's like the an M Night Shyamalan movie. If you're all basing it on the reveal, you better make that reveal worth it. Yeah, that, that that reveal better either take the form of a punch straight to the gut or it has to come with building dread. Like, we have to be just twisted in knots by the time that reveal happens. And does it remind you of the Saw movies at all? Because isn't to, there a lot of coincidence? Extent, yeah. Because it does turn out that everyone's involved in what's supposed to be an unavoidable death trap because all the people trapped in the nightclub, the nightclub's rigged to blow. I did like, um, we're sort of bouncing around here, but so after, does the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that's fair. Um, after the spider, you know, gives his big monologue, Jackie sees, um, he knows, because uh, he's a cop, right, that the police have a sniper up on the building above the club, and there's a window that's pointing right to the chair in the room that he's at. And yet he goes on this speech, um, you know, Detective Zon Wen, the character Jackie Chan plays, is a very honorable man. He says, I do not want any loss of life. Every life is precious, even yours. And so he has the opportunity, what he thinks is the opportunity, to get the guy killed, and he doesn't go for it. And when the sniper takes the shot, we get a reveal that actually there's bulletproof glass installed. Um but before that, we get sort of like a flash forward, sort of like what you see in the Sherlock Holmes uh, movies with Robert Downey Jr., where he has a premonition of how things could go. Yeah, and I, I, I got to say, I kind of got bored with those in the Sherlock Holmes movies. I get bored with them here because it's sort of confusing. It's like, did that really happen? It's not filmed like in a super slow-mo, like a, a, a different way where it makes you... It comes off as more surreal because like, you don't know what's really happening and what's not. <laughs> And it's Don't yet, show and, me a potential fight scene. Just show me the fight scene. <laughs> right. Or I, I like there. Uh, there's a more effective one, I think, where uh, he he uh, his his daughter reveals that the sassy neon red haircut was just a wig, and she's doing this under duress. Which I think they reveal that a bit early. Well, well, that you—that's a, a, a turn that you can kind of see coming when you see the kind of pressure that Wu's exerting on people and the depth of research he's done. Mm-hmm. So, like the reveal—the reveal doesn't come as a, a shock. I'm kind of surprised it didn't come earlier. Oh, really? It, see, I, I just thought the opposite. I thought maybe you'd, you'd keep that going and even have a scene where she beats up her father. And then, oh, really? Like, really make you doubt? Yeah, yeah. Really her. put a put the doubt in there and then Haha, that, just kidding i would like that yeah uh but you know she gets her father a cell phone and he's calling uh, one of the cops you know the police chief or something and they're like oh should we send the swat team in now and then they they do like a clip like what would happen if they would do that and it would end up with a lot of dead hostages because of where the hostages are located like i think the um 
the premise that they're using SWAT team and snipers and that they could come in at any moment and yet the place is rigged to blow it. And uh, also Jackie is having some of the other, um, one of the guys there happens to have a video camera on him. Why the criminals don't confiscate a video camera is beyond me. I, or I guess they want him to film stuff, right? But uh, I, I guess. Or, or they assume no one will see the tape after they set the explosives off. But he's like, film all the locations, so and give me the memory cards. We can transmit it to the police. Like it's, and you don't really see him do that. And then Jackie just shows up in a room with the hostages later. And he's like, "Did you get the footage? Yes, I got everything you need, boss." <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it just takes away all the drama, man. Huh. Oh, and I think we glossed over it. But what, what Wu wants revenge for is the death of his sister. Yeah, can you get into that a bit? Well. Yeah, so so uh, what it, what it was was that Wu's, Wu's uh, younger sister Wu's younger sister died, and the short version is all the hostages are people who either witnessed the event or had the power to stop that tragic death, but didn't take it. And Jackie was you know Zong was just sort of a police officer in the area. He was like patrolling the area, and he just drove past the the crime as it happened because he didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So because uh, Zahn doesn't have x-ray vision, he deserves to be uh, kidnapped and tortured and his whole family put under duress, of course. Yeah, and it, and, and it was all and it was all also, you know, tied into tied into her suicide as well. Right. Um And yeah, that's the other big plot point, right? Is that they want a uh, a hardened criminal to be released. That's sort of the conditions of the hostage scenario. Wei Zhao Fu, right? Mm-hmm. And Jackie Chan is trying to, like early on, he tries to say, you know, let's let all the hostages go. There are innocents here. We can let them all go. And I'll go outside as well. And I will talk to the police chief and then I'll come back and we'll, we'll work out a deal. And they get in an argument. Three hostages, two hostages. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's, the hostage stuff is sort of interesting in that it the movie mainly is confined to the club is an interesting um premise but we we don't get as much action as you would think for a police story movie it's more of a drama overall which which could have worked except they keep they keep breaking from that environment every time they do a flashback if if mm-hmm. if anything i would like it to be more contained within the nightclub i mean if you're going to go die hard go full die hard never let the action leave uh leave the establishment right and we get um man i don't know this movie just it's i didn't like it either to be frank and it's it, it's disappointing because i don't like all Jackie Chan films, but I like a lot of them. And I, I guess I have not seen him do a lot of dramatic parts, and he has done a, a fair amount of dramatic roles in his career. Um, I think he, he sort of was excited to do sort of a more uh, serious cop picture. But Which I think I think would be a good turn for him. Uh-huh. It's just yeah, that the, yeah. the script is too complicated. It's Yeah, and there's no reason for it to be this... Comp- it's like... It's like one of those, to go back to the 90s again, it's like those zillion um, Pulp Fiction knockoffs we got in the 90s. <laughs> and the only one that was any good was like Go, I think. But, um, and that, it, it has a complicated structure just because Pulp Fiction did it, but they don't understand why that worked in Pulp Fiction. 
and how you can't use that for every story. Oh, can we talk about one thing, though? There's one, there's one shot in this movie that was just tragically cool. It's in one of the flashback scenes. Okay. Um, it's a it's a car chase, and you know Jackie Azong is driving this up uh, is driving is driving this car in pursuit of a criminal, and they shoot at him, and we get this really cool tracking shot where we follow the bullet from the gun go through his windshield go through his shoulder go come out the out back, the of, back his of his seat shoot back. through his trunk yeah. and come out the back of his car blowing out his taillight that was a normally i don't like those kinds of shots but that looked so good in this movie but it's so but it also seems to be from a completely different movie like if you're doing if you're doing yeah, a grounded yeah. police uh, or cop movie, Web's you don't do that shot. kind of shot. That should be in an over the top action movie. That's right. It's um, also you you see the uh, I think the effects overall like are pretty well done in this movie. I was somewhat surprised. I thought they'd be a bit hokey. No effects and makeup are quite good. Effects are good, and even you know with the car stuff, you have some stuff with the car spinning around that appears to be CG. Um, yeah, I guess I can I can say this movie is technically sound. It's it's very well yeah. put together. The the problems really all just come from the story. I would say visually it um they, they made it desaturated I think to to go with the tone, but it it almost looked like visually that looks bland. I I don't like that look. Um I I could have used a bit more color, but you're going for a dark and gritty story. I think the 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 acting in the movie, um, Liu Ye is Wu Jane. I think he he's uh, he's menacing even as a younger guy against Jackie. I think he makes a good bad guy as uh, Forrest as his motivation might be. Um, I wasn't as crazy about Jing Qian as Miao Miao, the daughter. Well, she she's not as much of a of a of a force in this story as are. I mean she, she's she's an adjunct to both of them uh she kind of doesn't that's her role is limited I guess is, is what it comes down to yeah oh how about that she's also in uh Khan Skull Island oh that's cool and she's going to be in Pacific Rim Uprising. Interesting. That um, that's a series. That's a series that we might have to do. Do do original Kong all the way up to Kong Island, Skull Island. Right. So Khan, son of Khan, the seventies Khan duology, Peter Jackson, King Khan, and then right. And then Skull Island. Yeah, that that would Skull keep Island. us busy for a month. Maybe do a special episode months, with uh, yeah. the King Kong versus Godzilla. And see, they're doing that as its own movie, but they're coming out with the America Godzilla 2 first. It's, um... Which has never failed. So I don't see why we don't do that every year. I still haven't seen uh, the American Godzilla from a few years ago, because my sister said it was terrible. Um... <laughs> not, not, well, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, although I I have not seen that, just because I didn't, I didn't have high hopes... Then I also found out that apparently uh, Brian Cranston is incidental to the movie. Yeah, but he was all over the marketing because Breaking Bad was, you know, in the, at the height of its popularity at the time. Yeah. 
And in fact, it's why my sister went to see the movie. She doesn't even like Godzilla. And she's like, he's not even in it that much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, any any last thoughts about Police Story 2013, a.k.a. Police Story Lockdown? Not particularly, sadly. It's just... it. It it left me flat. It's it's so tonally jarring. It feels like it's not even a police story movie, and and I find I find that really upsetting. I want it. I I think you could still do the same general story, but still have the heart and the humor of classic of the classic police story films. So if if any more are made, I hope they go back to that formula. I hope they don't keep trying to do this grim, gritty modern take. Right. Um... I, yeah, I pretty much agree. It's this movie was disappointing. I was uh, looking forward to it, and um, just, just that the melodrama is it lays it on really thick, especially at the climax at the end. Mm. Just uh, yeah, just this is, this is an irritating movie. Sequel no for me. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with sequel no as well. And now we're gonna pitch a sequel. <laughs> Um, I, I guess I'll begin. I was thinking of something. So, Jackie Chan, uh, they they have uh, abilities on the computer now to make actors appear younger, right? We see this with uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man 3. No, and uh, uh, sorry. Kurt Russell in the Guardians I, of the Galaxy 2. I said Iron Man 3. I misspoke. I meant Avengers 2. Uh, but, yeah. So, it's it's been all over the place, really hype technology. I think they're still quite not there yet. You get a bit of that Uncanny Valley stuff going on. The the Michael Douglas uh, younger version of Ant-Man I thought was astounding, though. Um, and the idea would be you'd do a, a, a prequel, a police story, but it, it would be a, a crossover series, a movie. Police a story, police academy. Fresh, young recruit... Um, what's the guy's name from the original movie? Ah, hold on. God damn it. Yeah, Sergeant Chan Kakui, who is the character Jackie Chan played in the first four films, is, uh, gets shipped to America to join an up-and-coming police academy. And so you get Jackie Chan meeting with the police academy people. And uh, zaniness. Really? With Steve Gutenberg and everything? Yep, yep, Steve Gutenberg. And uh, and you would use de aging technology to make them all appear a bit younger. And you, you get to have a combination of Jackie Chan slapstick with uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite screaming and, um, and sound effects from the sound effects dude. And <laughs> I was on Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow, thank you. And, uh, and all that stuff. So that would be my take on it, is you do a sequel that's a, a crossover that nobody wanted in the first place. But it would go back to be more comedic. It would be, uh, you, you could have some satire on how the Hong Kong police works versus the American police. And um, you would have a extended um, sort of training sequence where... They need to get schooled on hand-to-hand combat from uh, Jackie Chan. And Jackie Chan does all these moves. And then some of the police academy people just try to throw one kick. And then they pull their leg. They pull a muscle and they charley horse themselves. And can't resume with the training. Because they're all faking their injuries. 
and it would be called Police Story Academy. Police Academy Story, if that makes more sense. Um, what's your picture sequel? All right, so my my picture sequel, uh, I really do want to go back to the humor uh, and heart of the humor and heart of the Police Academy series. Uh, so, or the Police Academy or the Police Story series. So, mine is going to be uh, Police Story, uh, Police Story, uh, locked, lock up. So, this one, uh, we're going to go back to Zong. Yeah. Zong, you know, got his, got getting his life back together. He's he's getting off the booze. Although we do see him look longingly at some bottles and and you know allude to some drunken master stuff going on, but he's just you know he's uh, going to go. Uh, visit uh his his daughter and her new boyfriend but on the way there he gets hit on the back of the head with a wrench and he wakes up tied to a chair but there's a difference this chair has a bomb attached to it and there's a walkie-talkie mounted to the chair uh, or a speaker set and so whoever's put him in this death trap is going to send him around town doing things to humiliate himself and ruin his reputation. Like, for instance, he has to go into a bar and drink all of one particular type of liquor. Um, really just to humiliate him. Someone's trying to ruin his reputation by putting him in this convoluted these, this convoluted series of challenges. So it's going to be kind of a Die Hard 3 sort of thing going on. Uh and so we're going to see a lot of classic Jackie Chan slapstick. We're going to see him do fight choreography where he has to fight people while tr- strapped to this chair and has to find ways to use the chair as a weapon and a shield, but also not get the bomb prematurely triggered. And all the while he's trying to do this, he's trying to figure out, well, who would strap me to this chair and, and make me do these things? And it's going to all go back to his daughter again. Because this time, the criminal mastermind, it's not really a full-on criminal mastermind. It's a uh, young engineering student who dated his uh, daughter back in high school, and it was a relationship that he mildly disapproved of. So when the when the inevitable breakup happened, because they were just two kids, the engineering student went mad and dedicated his life to getting revenge on the father uh, who <laughs> mildly disapproved of the relationship with the daughter. So resentment over mild disapproval. That sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, so that so that's my police academy lock up, or police. Cool. Sorry, police story. You have infected my mind with your police academy nonsense. It's just too good of an idea. Okay, boom. Um, I don't know why I said it like John Lovitz. It's a strange choice. So let's move on to what you're watching. Um, what have you been watching? Tracker? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, you can go first. Say what first on the other one. Oh, right. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember if I had mentioned this or not, but I did uh, finally get around to seeing Spider-Man: Homecoming. You did not mention that. Um, okay, good. Well, I, we'll finally. I, I have it. not seen it yet, but um, what, what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. It it really it captured the spirit of classic Spider-Man stories. Uh, I liked. Uh, I really liked the cast. The cast was very well done, and Michael Keaton played a phenomenal villain. How annoying is the Iron Man stuff? Not nearly as annoying as the trailers would have you believe. Iron okay. Man is pretty incidental to the movie. Because the trailers made it seem like Iron Man is like teaming up with Spider-Man the whole film. No, he, he only teams up with Spider-Man once. Uh, do you think it's good they cast a younger person as uh, Peter Parker? Yes, it's actually it's nice to see a Peter Parker who's actually a teenager. <laughs> 
Um, and also, the other yeah. thing I like is that most of the stakes in the movie are personal. Uh, and when it comes to the actual action stakes that motivate the final set piece, the stakes are real low. And that works. Like, I liked, I like that it's, it's a very localized superhero movie that's not about the end of the world. Where does it take place in the timeline of all these five zillion Marvel films? I I don't know. I don't actually, <laughs> generally speaking, I don't pay attention to that. The only one that was kind of jarring was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which turns out takes place in 2014. Um, although they do kind of spell that out if you pay attention to the date Chirons and the two first scenes. But this one, I don't know. I can only assume that like it quote-unquote takes place now. Like there's, okay. I don't, I didn't see anything to indicate that it takes place before any movie that's already out or is taking place after a movie that has yet to be released. So I'm just going to assume that it's contemporary. Great, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, what, so, do you think it's better than the Peter Garfield uh, Spider-Man? I, I have not seen any of those Spider-Man movies. What? Really? No, like I just it just kind of <laughs> I just let them pass me by. I wasn't particularly I wasn't particularly interested uh in those and I could tell I could tell from the trailer to the first of those Spider-Man uh reboots that they weren't trying to make a movie, they were trying to launch a new franchise and I don't have any more patience for movies that are there to start franchises. You need to make a good movie. Make a good movie, and then you can get your franchise. Don't don't try to do all this mythology and world building and setup. Well, we, we look at the uh, softer worldwide box office uh, this year, and we get these these front loaded movies that are meant to launch seven movie series, and uh, you know both the uh, the King Arthur uh, film and the um, to a lesser extent like Transformers Five. Uh, the last night and um, you know, the dark tower, uh, especially the dark tower really, really underperformed. And so they might not get sequels. So you get a movie that's all exposition <laughs> with the cheese for a sequel that never happens. So have you, have you seen the uh, dark tower? Uh, no, I have not, but I, I talked about it with um, my neighbor. Who's a huge fan of the books. I've only read the first two books and I'm sort of, rereading them slowly I, I sort of went all in and got the set uh, yeah, on sale I just finished the first book and oh let's talk about it for a minute oh okay. um, how did you like it overall I liked it but re mm -hmm. but it took a lot out of me it is so grim and so yeah, yeah. hopelessly dark and such right. a wonderful mesesthetizing of of western ideas and f that that it was like re reading that book was an ordeal, but an ordeal that I'm glad I have. I am going to read the rest of the series, but it's probably not going to be a series I devour. It's probably one of these things where I'll read one of these books every year. <laughs> right. The um, I like that first book. Uh, a lot of fans of the series hate that first book, and they claim the series doesn't really become what the Dark Tower is until like the third book. Well, I've, I've read series like that where there's like a mm -hmm. shift early on that kind of sets the tone for all following books, but I don't think and that makes the it, ones that come before the shift any lesser books. You know? Yeah, it is grim. Like you sort of like the way it came across to me, um, the, the gunslinger is sort of near death the entire time. It keeps on talking about how his lips are parched. He's eating like rotten beef jerky to 
get by. He's running out of water in his canteen. Um, and and the stuff with the uh, yeah, the stuff with the boy is uh, difficult to read. Um, but in the boy, I think they make a good character in what could be sort of a a mopish. Oh, I don't know. Well, you're worried Bucky. that it's going to be it's going to be the kid from Shane. That's that's your worry when the kid shows up. Jeez, I'm gunslinger. You're sure good at those guns, aren't you? Come back, gunslinger. Come back. My mama makes the best apple pie. When we get home, she'll make you a fresh slice. We're going to put a hop toad in Sally's bonnet, and she's going to be so scared. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I we just yeah. run Could down all die. the worst traits that a kid in a Western can have. That's right. Uh Preferably played by a young Clint Howard. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I'm, I'm curious, but uh, to, to answer your question, I have not seen it. My neighbor uh, deeply, deeply hated the film with a passion, I think, because he grew up with the books, and it was one of his favorite series. And to see it whiffed so badly, he compared it to how pissed off younger people got at uh, how bad the movie Aragon was. Huh. Which, speaking of movies that were supposed to launch a franchise that didn't really work out, that's another one of those. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but uh, so what I've been watching is um, on HBO, uh, Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them popped up recently. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't get to catch them in the theater, so have you seen this one? Yes, I saw that a few months ago. Great. Um, so I, I just watched it. And I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, even though we covered all the movies in the show. But. I found this to be somehow both childish and darker than the Harry Potter movies. It Tonally, it's a bit all over the place, but I am a sucker for, like, 1920s New York. Yeah, I, I love the period setting. That that was a very, very good choice. And if I was to pitch it, I'd call it Harry Potter meets Pokemon. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a feeling of that in there. Also a bit of Dr. Doolittle. More than a little of Dr. Doolittle, actually. Um... But I, for my money, uh, Eddie Redmayne uh, as the lead, I thought was bland. I really didn't like him, but it's that could be because of his character. I'm not sure, but I think uh, Dan Fogler steals the show. Oh god, you know he's amazing. the the guy the guy who played the, sort of the, the, the new human... sca- Scamander character really it it feels like a lackluster Matt Smith impression. Who's Matt Smith? Is that a writer? Oh, he was the, he played the eleventh Doctor on uh, oh, Doctor oh, Who. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is that is that the American one or no? No, no, that would uh, no, no. There's never been an American doctor. Didn't they, um, never. Mind, I was thinking of something else. Um, oh, you're thinking of Paul McGann, who was the British yes, actor yes. who played the doctor on the uh, attempt to make an American version of Doctor Who. Oh no, I know who you mean Matt Smith with the he's with has sort of the longer hair. Yes. Uh, yep. Or the bouffant. Uh, right. He's. I don't think Eddie Redmayne, I have not seen a good performance out of him. I think he overdoes it. He gave one of the worst performances I've ever seen as the bad guy in Jupiter Ascending. Mm. Where it's like all screaming, and it's not like funny Tim Curry screaming. It's just like shrieking. Uh, He has um, large lips, and he can open his jaw so wide that you can fit a boa constrictor in there. <laughs> he he was really well cast in um, one of only two films directed by Robert De Niro, 
um, and it's about the, I'm looking up the name right now, so I'm uh, called The Good Shepherd, um, which is about the founding of the CIA. Hmm. And he, in that role, um, Eddie Redmayne plays the daughter of, or not the daughter, the son of Angelina Jolie, which I think is good casting because they both have gigantic lips. Um, so there you go. So if you want to see a movie where Eddie Redmayne gets slapped around, watch The Good Shepherd, which is a pretty good, uh, if not slow, three-hour-long political thriller. Starring Matt Damon and Alec Baldwin. So there you go. Um, but yeah, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It, The ending I found really irritating. It feels like it has like three different endings, I think. <laughs> It's like the, the Lord of the Rain, the Return of the King sort of syndrome. Did, um... Yes. I think it could have used more of a villain. Okay, that I could, that I could agree with. It, 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 does, it does set up, spend too much time setting up an antagonist for what's presumably going to be a second film, rather than just letting this film have its own antagonist that it could get two movies out of. Yeah, and I was um, highly amused at Eddie Redmayne mispronouncing Arizona every time. <laughs> he, he, he pronounces it a really strange way, but at least he's consistent about that pronunciation. And, uh... He, I, I, what I didn't like about his character is it seemed like more like a device, or like, or that, like I, he's like a human vacuum sucking up monsters. Well, I guess in a way the monsters are the star of the movie. Uh, yeah, and the, the sequence where they they go inside the suitcase is a wonderful piece of sort of magical realism, and the 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 monsters are, are very uh, cleverly designed. Um, I don't think they're always composited well into the scenes, but the, my my only my only real complaint about the monsters is that so with the exception of of the the Niffler, all the monsters they introduce the rule for the the rules for the monsters immediately before taking advantage of those rules to defeat the monsters. So yeah, no, nothing is really a no, there's no nice setup, build, and release. It's all just boom, boom, done. Um, Although it, it, this movie, as entertained as I was by this movie, it does have the same problem that the original Harry Potter's movies has. Is the more of these movies I see, the more I sympathize with the Dursleys. <laughs> and the more, the more I'm like, uh, you know, uh, maybe the world would be better off without magic and monsters running around. Right. The um, it seems to only screw things up. It's worth noting uh, this is the first um, film in the Potterverse that J.K. Rowling has written a script for. Hmm. Um, it's based on a book that was less of a book and more of like a bestiary. Yeah, it was like, like literally, it was like a field guide to different strange creatures. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the plan as of uh, this recording is for it to be five films. I'll, oh I'll, I'll my, bet you money the Last gonna, I heard it was going to be two. Wow. Um, five and speaking of, you know, things that are trying to launch a franchise, I bet they'll blow it up to seven films. I bet they're going to stretch it out a bit. And I will, along those lines, I'm going to make another bet. Bet meaning I'm not using money, but just a prediction. The movie It is being done as two movies, right? 
Really? Yes. Okay. They haven't done a great job of making that obvious in the marketing. I bet you they'll pull a Hobbit and bust it into three, because I think it's going to be very successful. <sighs> but maybe not, because they filmed both parts already, so I'd probably just stop my own argument. Oh, I, I am sure they could find some ways to pad things out. Don't think they should. It's, not, it's not a thousand-page sure book, man. Like, they absolutely... They're not going to have the uh, uh, orgy scene. I would hope not. I don't know. I, I want to see him go for it. Like, it's... But there's the... Um, Kevin Smith had a funny joke about Return of the King, where that movie was such a, a victory lap that they could have had, like, a 20-minute Hobbit blowjob scene and it still would have won all the Oscars. <laughs> because the, the previous films didn't win Oscars and, you know, they knew they were getting what was coming to them. Well, that would be great. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, Young Hobbit. So. You shall not. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh man! Terrible. I, I'm, I'm, I've, th- I've thought too long and hard about what Lord of the Rings pornos would be like, so I, I probably shouldn't open those floodgates don't, now, or we would have to create have a whole some? new podcast. I imagine they'd have to have some, don't they? I know they did Pirates of the Caribbean pornography. Well, there well. is, uh, Misty Monday did star as uh, Bildo Saggins in <laughs> Lord of the G-Strings, Female Ship of the Strings. They didn't do a trilogy out of that, did they? Not that I'm aware of, no. Although th- th- that particular production company is pretty much one and done on everything I they see. do. Um, yeah, so... SequelCast 2. Um, you can check out our Twitter page, at SequelCast2. Uh, follow us on Facebook, search SequelCast2 on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at MATWBT. You can follow me, at Internet Mayor. What's a, what's a project you're working on, Thrasher? Anything you want to plug? Oh, I can, yes, there is now something. Uh, so the the NDA has loosened a little bit. Uh, I am going to be, if you are into uh, tabletop RPGs or war games, I am one of the contributing authors to Wrath and Glory, the new Warhammer 40,000 RPG. Uh, can you explain what that is? Uh, so, sh- short version, it's it's a tabletop role-playing game like D&D, but it's set in the dark future of the 41st millennium, uh, which is short short version of Warhammer 40K, uh, uh, as it is affectionately <laughs> known, <laughs> yeah. is that it's every, it's every space opera trope you've ever seen put on a heavy metal album cover uh, and yep. set on fire. Uh, weapons are four times as big as they are today, but do one quarter of the damage. At least if you play the tabletop war game, we're we're cranking up the lethality for the uh, the RPG. And so, but the but the short version, it takes place in a galaxy that is uh, that is quite literally in chaos at this point. Uh, and so, humans, genetically modified space marines, and a handful of desperate aliens are trying to do whatever they can to, to wrest some small victory out of a universe going straight to hell. Neat. And um, everything is just wonderfully so did, over did the you top. Do illustrations or writing for it? Uh, I'm I am just writing for this. Cool. Um, any so has it come out yet? Or no, no, there, it, will, it won't be coming out for a while. Um, uh, there is, I don't. At least I have not heard a release date for it yet. But it's it will probably be out by this time next year. Is it the source book or uh, this will be uh, this will be the core rule book? There will be uh, there will be books to follow, but I cannot give any details about what those books will be. 
Okay. So I can post about this on the website. Is that right? Uh, yes, you should. Yeah, you, you can you can mention what the title is and that I'm and that I'm writing on it, but I cannot release any more specifics than that. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's fine. Um, I recently um, I have some articles in the hopper I've been working on, but I recently published an article for Pro Focus Technology called From Nerd to Normal, How to Write Better Help Articles. And it's about how to write um, tutorials for uh, computer programs. I could have described that a bit more compellingly, I suppose. But the short version is, uh, you can check that out at my website, mattbte.wordpress.com. I really need you to get off my ass and uh, get a uh, pay-for-a-domain name. Because I don't like saying lawn-lawn things. Um, that's what she said. Okay, so... What are we covering next on Sequel Cast 2? You know, we just did this one-off on Police Story 2013, well, a.k.a. Police Story Lockdown. We we are going after one of the great trilogies. We are going to do Lord of the Rings. That's right, the live-action Lord of the Rings. Uh, longtime fans might remember we did episodes on um, the, the, the cartoon um, Tolkien. The, the animated pseudo-trilogy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this is the the real deal. Um, and what uh, what cuts do you think we're going to cover? I, which ones do you have? I guess that's the question. I have the original extended cuts. I know there have been different cuts since then. But I have the first okay. set of extended cuts that were released. Oh, cool. I see. Yep. I do as well. So we'll be talking about the same thing. Good. Um, and we'll mention the theatrical cuts in passing, but they've... Um, there's good and bad things about them. It's interesting that... Uh, not interesting, that's not the right word. I am pleased that Peter Jackson has kept the theatrical cuts available for those who want them. That is pretty cool. But if you're a super fan um, and you don't have the extended ed- edition, you're missing out, if nothing else, for the documentaries. Excellent, oh, excellent supplemental material. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so uh, tune in next week. We'll be talking about the live-action film, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. For Sequelcast 2, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Same. Hi, I'm Jackie Chan. Sequelcast 2 is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension podcast fleet. Find other great film and TV podcasts at battleshippretension.com. The theme song to Sequelcast 2 is written and performed by Mark with the C. Listen to his music at markwiththec.com. You can also listen to Sequelcast 2 on the go at Stitcher. Head on over to stitcher.com and search for Sequelcast 2 to give it a listen. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension fleet. 